Welcome to Inclusion Matters, produced by the Center for Inclusive Child Care, aka the CICC. We're located at inclusivechildcare.org. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast of the Center for Inclusive Child Care. I'm here today with Priscilla Weigel, a consultant for our program, and I'm Cindy Croft, Director of the Center. Welcome, Priscilla. Great to be here. So glad to have you once again, and I'm very excited that today we are going to talk about a topic that comes up time and time again Mm -hmm. with consultants here and phone calls for technical assistance that we get about little boys. Yes, all the time it seems. It seems they're the most frequent calls we've been getting lately is little boys. What do we do with little boys? So what is it about little boys? Well, I think... I think one of the things is that we misunderstand what little boys are supposed to be doing as little boys. And we assume, we make the assumption that they are going to be able to fit into what we have as far as our idea of what's the appropriate early childhood environment. Our expectations often are way too high for just kids in general, I think. You know, one place is teaching two-year-olds with the parts of a book you know, using words like spine and front page and back page. Who cares (laughs) at this point? Because what's their job right now? You know, if you look at what to expect for that age group, tantrums, that's expected. That's on the list of expectations. What else? Walking up and down stairs, climbing, running, making conversation, the initial interactions, you know, initiating something with another human being. That's where we should be focusing. Are we providing opportunities for those things? Not how much knowledge we can give this little child and pack into their head. So, Would you say that, in your experience as a child developmentalist, um, that boys are fundamentally different from girls at, say, three or three and a half? What do you think? I think there's definite differences between boys and girls because there's, I mean, they're different humans. But I think, I think boys need more active play than we give them credit for. I, we, ex, we think that if we provide outside time in the morning and then again in the afternoon, that's our coverage. And, you know, the, the guidelines are children need to be active and play for 60 minutes a day at least. Well, three-year-olds, three-year-old boys, they need more than that. They do, but when we put them in a, a setting that only allows for those two pieces of active play and they're at early one either end of the day, what happens to that whole middle chunk? That's when we start to see the behaviors because kids are hungry, tired. I mean, a lot of times we can discount behaviors as we can attribute behaviors to needs, just basic physical needs in kids, and we forget to even look there. We jump to the, uh-oh, he's hitting again challenging behavior, quick, how can we deal with that hitting, instead of looking back and going, wow, look at how much time we've spent sitting today. I know you and I have had this conversation that baby boys get a little bit of a bad rap Mm -hmm. from um, child uh, early childhood educators um, and others, because often little girls are very active as well, and girls also need gross motor movement need the uh, big muscle kinds of exercises. Uh, Maybe sometimes 
we tend to see more of the rough housing with boys, but we also see a need in girls. Definitely. Right. Right. And I think, too, because um, a lot of our early childhood staff are women. And, in fact, I just got an email the other day from a provider, a director of a center, who said, we're a small center, we're all women, what's going on with these boys? And we want to have, and, and she was so proactive about it. She wants to have, you know, me come out and do a training there, just helping them understand what boys should be doing and getting in. And because she understands we're all women and we're maybe not seeing it from their point of view. And I think that's really important to remember. What, what, what is a boy needing or a girl who needs high activity? And what happens is we tend to maybe see more of the rough and tumble, as you said, with boys. And so what does rough and tumble signal in the eye of a teacher? Oh, danger, scary, injury. When really, if we're seeing a lot of that rough and tumble play and a lot of the crashing and the tackling, that's our signal to us, to a teacher. Is It's to say, I'm not providing enough of outlets for these boys or these girls or these kids. Well, this is a good time for me to... Um maybe refer people back to some of our previous podcasts where we really talked about temperament. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I think there is a difference in a teacher temperament and little boy temperament and little girl temperament. And so when there's a difference in activity level, for instance, that can create a tension between teacher and teacher expectation and children. Mm -hmm. And so it's really about the teacher stepping back and saying, okay, I realize my perception of activity level may be uh, maybe a little unrealistic when it comes to uh, my room full of three-year-olds, mm-hmm. boys and girls. Right, right. And, and that, that takes reflection. Right, right. And, too, when you have a whole group of children in the same developmental scheme of things, even though they're each unique, they're all going through a lot of stuff, especially at this early kind of post-toddlerhood, the explosion of growth that's going on, just this, I'm a, I'm a big kid, but I'm a baby. What do I do about that? How do I handle all these people in my space all day long? And, and then when we as teachers say, this is how I want my classroom to look. This is how I want my, my care setting to look. I want to be able to sit down and have them all sit in front of me and listen to a lovely story. And realistically, that may not be okay because this group may not need that. And it's okay to shift gears and say, you know what, let's have group time over in the dramatic play area today. Or let's just sit and read a story and everybody's going to pile onto my lap. As many people that could squish onto my lap, and if you don't want to hear the story, if it's too squishy, you can go over and look at books on your own. But that can be story time because, you know, those kids who are still in that general area, they're still listening to the story that you're reading because you're reading with feeling and excitement, and they're going to be drawn. They might come and stand by you and look over your shoulder or whatever. But that's that's more important. That experience is more important instead of the visual of how it looks to me as the grown-up. I wonder, I know we'll probably wrap it up here in a little bit, but what, what kind of strategies could we give teachers and providers who are listening right now, and you just gave a really great strategy about kind of looking at the way uh, we see group time and and making maybe some adaptions or accommodations Mm -hmm. in in how we're seeing activity level and how we could tweak it a little bit, but what other kinds of strategies could we give to listeners um, to help children with this? Um, Because if we're looking at little boys and thinking, boy, this is 
and then I said boy, but this is a problem area for me. I don't know what to do with the mm-hmm. little boys. I have too many boys and not enough girls. Or mm-hmm. My program is, you know, I've got six boys in my classroom, and it's just chaos. Mm-hmm. How do we help these teachers who are listening? Well, I think when we look at what's our job to meet the needs of kids, so regardless of if they're boy, girl, who you know, to look at the group, the makeup of the group, and if you have, let's say, uh, Joe is super active and loves to play with his guys and his superheroes, and so he's that little person. And then we've got another guy who's maybe a little quiet and really likes books or whatever. We've got a little girl who loves to play princesses and she's all over the place and running around and flitting and flatting and flying. Or maybe she's into superhero play too because there's lots of, you know, both, whatever. But I think the key is to look at each child individually and say, okay, what what's their favorite thing to do? What are And that's what I just asked a teacher yesterday. If you had to name something that that child really enjoys in your classroom, what would it be? And sometimes it takes a long time to get an answer for that. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, we really should be able to just recall something quickly about each kid that we spend time with every day. Each child, we should know what their favorite activity is. And so if we know, you know, and one of the teacher's answers was, he likes to dance. Great. When we're making a transition, is dancing a good option for that child? Definitely, because he doesn't want to move from one activity to another. He gets stuck and frustrated, and so... How can we help him? Take him by the hand with his favorite thing, dancing. Mm -hmm. Come on, let's go dance over to this other area. I mean, little things like that. Just knowing the personalities and the traits, those temperaments. How can we provide an opportunity that just is Mm stress-free? When you think about it, that's what we want for kids, stress-free days. They shouldn't be stressed about the fact that they're building a Lego tower and they're going to have to clean it up before they can go over to play in the sand table. They should be able to say, I'm going to build this Lego tower and maybe the teacher will let me put it on the counter till tomorrow or maybe till this afternoon. Maybe I can come back to it later. Mm-hmm. That's stress-free. We're, we, know, we have little kids with anxiety issues already in preschool because we're constantly programming them beyond what their little bodies can handle. So I don't, I mean, that was a roundabout way of answering your question, but... No, but it's, I think that's very helpful to, to everyone listening. And we are, uh, for those who are listening in, in subsequent weeks, going to kind of look at some of the specific areas mm-hmm. of programming and offer some suggestions for ways to maybe make those a little bit more useful for everybody, including children. Right. Kind of examine the goals yep. for for what we're doing in each of those areas, and I think that will be extremely helpful to people who are listening. Um, I will do a little bit of a um, PR piece here and tell people who are listening that very soon we will have an info module on our website about Hero Play um, that you've written, and so we're excited and think that people will really benefit, or a self-study course, Mm -hmm. Um, but in our learning center at any rate, that gives a little more information about children who like to do some of the rough and tumble and superhero play. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 great information and it's very useful, uh, particularly, again, as we're talking about sometimes little boys yeah, who, right. who gravitate sometimes towards that kind of play. Right, and, and we understand why, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Superheroes are exciting. They have power. They can be in control. You know, they save people. Mm-hmm. All those things. So Exactly. Well, thank you once again, Priscilla, and thank you all for listening, and... Uh, We will be back again soon. Great. That's all.
all for now. See you next time.